Let's pray and ask God to teach us about what it means to enjoy life His way. Thank you, Father God, that you are the living God. You brought your Son back from the dead by your Holy Spirit. And so we ask that by that same Spirit you will speak to us through your word, that we would know you and enjoy life in and through you. Amen. Well, it's the Easter weekend, and the Easter weekend is a great opportunity to enjoy life because we get a nice, long, four-day weekend away from all those life-denying, energy-sapping, boring, annoying jobs that we have to do, and all those life-denying, energy-sapping, boring, annoying people we have to work with. Or for those of us who are in school, we get some time off from all those life-denying, energy-sapping uh, energy uh, teachers and homework that we have to do. Because it's holidays. Hey, parents. Ooh. Okay. And that's what Jesus died and rose for, didn't he? So that we can enjoy life during a long weekend. Well, actually, what Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 10 tell us is yes, Jesus died and rose so that we can enjoy life. But not just sort of secular life, pleasure, a day off. Jesus died and rose so that we can enjoy life God's way. And this whole passage is trying to explain to us what that means, to enjoy life God's way. Now, one way to understand life is actually to understand death. So let's have a look again at verses 1 to 3 of chapter 2. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So the first thing this passage tells us is that we're not naturally alive to God. Now you'd notice that be life according to God is more than just having a pulse. It's more than just being like biologically alive. Because here the Apostle Paul is writing to a bunch of people in Ephesus, in the Christian church in Ephesus. And he says to them, you guys used to be dead. Now, they're not Lazarus. They were never actually physically dead. And so that must mean that according to God, life is more than just having a pulse, okay, having, being able to breathe and stuff like that. And that means death is also something more or something different from not having a pulse and not being able to breathe. According to this passage, we are not naturally alive to God. Because we follow things that are against God. We follow three things. The world, our own sinful desires, and the devil himself. Let's have a look at our sinful desires first. At our, our, our depraved, corrupt desires. Have a look at the first half of verse 3. Verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Now I'm looking here at a church of decent, dignified people. But part of what it means to be decent and dignified is that we don't always do what we want to do. Because we know 
that often our desires are corrupted. They're wrong, they're destructive. And so we don't always give vent to our feelings. What would happen to our relationships if every time we were angry with someone, we just flew off the handle and shouted at them? We'd lose all our friends. We'd, our family would be scared of us because we'd get this reputation as a hot-headed, angry person. And, okay, maybe sometimes our anger is justified. But usually, even when it's justified, we sort of go over the top, isn't it? And then what about the times that we're just wrong? We heard something wrong and, or, 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 or something, you know, we're, we're just upset and so we lose it with someone for no good reason. We know, we, we don't always give vent to our desires, but sometimes we do. And then we regret it. Or even worse, we give vent to our desires, our anger, say, and we don't regret it. That was actually kind of fun. That person deserved it. Okay, maybe they didn't, but it was still good. You know that feeling. Our desires are not good, and we know that. We don't always follow our desires. We don't always give vent to our feelings, but when we do, it doesn't go well. And according to the Bible, that's the opposite of enjoying life God's way. That's actually living in death, our corrupted desires. Then there's the second way, the second anti-God, life-denying thing that we follow. The first one is our internal desires. The second one is externally. That's the, that was supposed to be the picture for desires. Darn, hate it when I miss it. Anyway, we follow the world. Have a look at the middle of verse 2. You followed the ways of this world. Now, we talk a lot about peer pressure when we're talking with young people or young adults, but... You know that it's no different when we grow up. As adults, we're under a lot of pressure to conform to the way that this world operates. And that's why it's difficult for us to, even at Easter time, talk about how Jesus is the only way to be right with God. It's not politically correct. It's not tolerant. And so we, we, we get sort of muted and intimidated by the world out there and we just silence ourselves and sort of go underground and don't talk about Jesus and don't admit to being Christian. Are we as independent and as strong as, a, as we think we are? Or do we just follow the ways of the world? Avoiding conflict and just keeping life safe and protecting our ego and our reputation. We follow our internal corrupt desires we get shaped by the world around us. And in doing that, we actually follow the devil himself. Look at the rest of verse 2. You followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This sounds odd to us, again, because we are a bunch of decent, dignified people. I don't see any Satanists here. No one's wearing a a satanic t-shirt or trying to cast black magic on us, anything like that. Okay, following the devil is a lot more normal than that. 
You don't have to be a Satanist. You don't have to be into the occult. Here's what the apostle said in a different letter. The second letter to Corinthians, what we call 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The, the apostle Paul says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. According to the Bible, the way we know God is through Jesus. The way we come into relationship with God is through Jesus. So if we are politely ignoring Jesus or refusing to believe that he is the one and only way to God, Satan loves it. He's totally sucked us in. Someone who is a polite, good-living non-Christian, who polite, who doesn't persecute Christians or anything, just, you know, just politely indifferent to the claims of Jesus because, well, you know, we're a scientific people now. We don't believe that sort of thing. We just live a decent life because this life is all that there is. Someone who is living that kind of decent, moral, upright, polite, respectful life is totally sucked in by the devil himself. Someone who calls themselves a Satanist and who feels depraved and corrupted and is crying out to be rescued from it might actually be closer to the kingdom of God. We follow our internal corrupted desires. We let the world shape us. And in doing all of this, we follow the devil himself. This is not enjoying life God's way. This is living in death. That's why our passage started off, chapter 2, verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. To transgress means to go outside the boundaries. Remember back in the olden days at school, you'd have an out-of-bounds area? It means to go beyond the bounds. And sin just means an attitude of turning away from God. So sure, we've got a pulse. We're breathing. And we may even be enjoying life in the sense of enjoying what we're doing at the moment. But if we are following our own desires, following the world, and in all of this, following the devil, then we're not alive as far as God is concerned. We are living in death. If that wasn't bad enough, God himself gets mad when we ignore him and turn away from him in this way. So the end of verse 3 says, like the rest, we were by nature, objects of wrath. Wrath means God's anger. When we turn away from God and follow all this life-denying, God-denying forces, we make him mad. See, we cannot politely ignore God. It just doesn't work like that. You know when you're walking down the street or at the bus stop or something like that, and there's lots of people around you, we could turn to them and start a conversation. That's fine. But we don't have to. We can just politely stand there and read the news on our tablet or listen to our iPod or whatever. We don't need to acknowledge them. Nobody will be insulted if we just ignore them. God's not like that. Ignoring God is more like ignoring a close member of your family, your parents or your brothers and sisters or your children or your husband or wife. How would your family feel if you walked into the house and just walked past them without even acknowledging them? 
okay, if it happened once, they might just go, that's odd, something wrong, or maybe, they, maybe they've got something on their mind. But if we did it again, and again, and again, what effect would that have on our family? Well, first they'd be surprised, then they'd be sad, but eventually they'd get downright angry. You can't ignore us like this. What to talk to us, for goodness sake. What, what's going on? It's like that with God. We cannot politely ignore him and get away with it. He gets mad. So not only are we dead, we're dead and damned. And this is why we need Jesus. Verses 1 to 3 is the bad news. Let's read verses 4 to 7, the good news. Verses 4 to 7. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Jesus takes us from dead and damned to raised and ruling. And he does this in his death and his resurrection. Remember, when Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't just dying physically, he was dying for us. Remember what our situation was. We were dead, cut off from God, because we were following all of these anti-God ways of living. Jesus died. But when he died, he was taking the damnation, the judgment from God that we deserve. We were dead and damned. Jesus became dead and damned for us. But that's not all. If that wasn't good enough, Jesus rose. See, Jesus did not deserve to die. He deserved to enjoy life with God. We turn away from God, follow our own desires. Jesus only ever followed the Father's desires. We follow the ways of this world. Yeah, whatever is simple, whatever is comfortable. Jesus always called the world to follow God. We follow the devil. It's so much more fun. Everyone else is doing it. Jesus told the devil to go to hell. Matthew chapter 4 and other pa parallel passages. Jesus deserved to enjoy life with God and that's why the Father brought him back, which is what we celebrate today. But he didn't do it just for himself. That's the amazing good news of the gospel. Look again at verses 5 to 7, and I'll highlight how Jesus did it for us. Let's read again, verses 5 to 7. Verse 5, God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. When Jesus rose, so not only is Jesus raised, he is now ruling as king of kings. Have a look at this passage from earlier in the book of Ephesians. So just before today's passage, this is what the apostle says. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, the second half, he says, God the Father raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, 
far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Jesus rules. He is king of kings. We got a whole lot of authorities, people who are in power over us. Children, you got your parents who can tell you what to do and, uh, who, uh, during these holiday times, and it's up to them whether you have a good time or not. Uh, those of us who are adults, we've got our boss, we've got um, our mother-in-law, father-in-law. We've got all these people in charge over us. Jesus is king. Nobody can tell him what to do. He has the right to tell everybody and everything in the universe what to do. And when we put our trust in Jesus... We get to rule alongside him. That's what the passage we just read. When we put our trust in Jesus, we go from being dead and damned to raised and ruling alongside of him. Jesus deserves to be honored. We get honored along with him. Jesus deserves power and glory. We get power and glory alongside him. Jesus deserves to rule the universe. We get to rule the universe alongside him. This is what it means to enjoy life God's way. It means nothing less than to share the cosmic throne of the risen Lord Jesus. Our problem is that we put too much emphasis on real but worldly pleasures, minor things. Like, we want respect and so we think we'll be happy, we'll enjoy life if our boss respects us or our colleagues respect us or our family respects us. So we get resentful when our family doesn't recognize all the slaving that we've done for them or when our boss doesn't give us the credit for all the hard work that we've done because we want respect. Yeah? You want respect? Trust Jesus. Rule the universe alongside him and hear him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Can you imagine that? Getting respected by the king of kings and getting affirmed by him. How cool is that? We get worried about money. We think if we have money and wealth, then we'll be safe and secure and we'll enjoy life. So we stress about our bank account or we stress about our superannuation or we want to own a house, own a car, own a holiday house, own a Learjet, or whatever, okay, Learjet, I'm exaggerating, but you could, you want safety, you want wealth, trust Jesus, he owns the universe, and he promises to give us mansions in glory, who needs a place here, we can live in a hovel, we can sleep in the streets, don't let these minor pleasures, these minor joys, distract you, from enjoying life with Jesus. We can't get more powerful than ruling the universe alongside Jesus. We can't get more honored than sharing his glory and honor. We can't get richer or happier or more content than sharing his joy. What is Jesus doing right now? He's living it up in glory. That's what? He's enjoying life. Do you want to enjoy life? Put your trust in the joyfully risen Jesus.
Now, if this wasn't good enough, that God takes us from dead and damned to raised and ruling, the cherry on top, the icing on the cake, the mixing of metaphors, is that this is all a gift. God gives it to us by His grace for free. Look at the famous verses 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In this world, everything depends on our performance. So we study hard at school so that we can get into a good university degree. And we work hard at university so we can get a good job. Then when we get the job, we work hard to get promotions or a, a raise so that we can afford a good house. And, and we try and impress eligible guys and girls so that we'll get a good spouse to marry us. And then we try and we work hard to bring up good little children who work hard at school and start the cycle all over again. Yay. It's exhausting. It's intimidating. It's the opposite with God. We can relax, sit back and enjoy because he offers us this enjoying life in, with Jesus all for free, just as a gift. That's what grace means. It means God giving it to us for free because he's a generous kind of God and he likes to share good things even with undeserving people. All we have to do is accept it. And that act of accepting the gift of enjoying life with Jesus is what we mean, or what the Bible means, by faith. Now, look, we're scientific people. We're intelligent, you know, rational people. Faith means a leap in the dark. It means believing against the evidence. Now, faith means entrusting yourself to someone whom you're confident can do something that you can't, and you need them to do that for you. We do it all the time. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Manila, the Philippines, for a conference and a holiday. I traveled a lot by taxi to get places. Now, I just got in the taxi. I didn't know who the taxi driver was. And I told him the address to take me, and he just went. I had to trust the guy. Was he a terrorist going to kidnap me? Was he a thief going to, you know, take me some scary place and rob me? I don't know. Now, they had taxi licenses that were hanging at the front and a picture of the driver and like a, a license code, etc., etc. So it was all above board and look, I'm back. Everything was fine. But that was an act of trust. I had to entrust myself to the taxi driver and they were all worthy of my trust. <laughs> they took me where I needed to. That's faith. Jesus is our divine taxi. And we entrust ourselves to him, and he does it for free. He sort of like opens the door, come on in, I'll take you someplace. You want a good time? Follow me. Now, if, I, if a taxi driver said that to me in Manila, I would be totally sus, but you know what I mean. Now, Jesus offers to take us to enjoy life with God for free. Just jump in. And by the way, you want to check out his taxi license? Here it is. The whole Bible is written to tell us why Jesus and the God of Jesus is trustworthy. Read it. Come join us as we read it. Join a growth group. Talk to Byrne about joining a small group that reads the Bible together. God invites us, actually more than invites us, he commands us to put our trust in Jesus. 
Whenever we get a gift, it's actually a, an act of love and generosity from the person who's giving it to us. It's really rude to spurn a gift, isn't it? How would we feel if we gave something, someone that cost us, and we're giving it to them out of love and generosity because we care about them, and they go, no thanks. That's just weird. That's just downright rude, in fact. What if they laugh and say, why would I want a gift from you? Don't, do not ignore the gift of enjoying life with God in Jesus. It's tragic. It's also downright rude. We don't not naturally enjoy life God's way. We follow the world, we follow our own desires, and in doing so we follow the devil. God gave us Jesus to take us from being dead and damned to raised and ruling with Jesus. All he asks is that we put our trust in him. I'm going to wrap up in a, in a second and pray a prayer. As part of this prayer, it will be very clear, there will be a section for anyone here who wants to put your trust in Jesus for the first time. If you want to jump in the Jesus taxi and go have a good time with God. It'll be, you don't need, if, if there's someone here and you want to pray that prayer for the first time, you don't need to raise your hand or come down the front or do anything embarrassing like that. When I say that section of my prayer, and I'll make it very clear, just say in the silence of your head, yes, God, I want a piece of that. That's me. I'm praying that. The risen Lord Jesus will hear that prayer and honor your request. Let's pray. Father God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the living God, thank you again that you from your grace and generosity gave us your Son, Jesus Christ, to death and to eternal life for us. It is amazing that you from your power sent him all the way to death and back again. It is even more amazing that he would do that, you would send him to do that for us. For we who ignore you, who live against you, who don't deserve anything from your hand. So we just rejoice in that. And now we pray for and on behalf of anyone who wants to begin to enjoy life with you. And on behalf of them we say this. Dear God, I'm sorry that I've ignored you all of my life. I'm sorry for denying you in the way that I'm living and thinking that I can enjoy life without you. In fact, thinking that ignoring you is the way to enjoy life. I admit that with grief and shame. But thank you so much that Jesus died for me. And thank you that he came back to life for me. I now accept the gift that you give to me in your son. Thank you so much that he gives me a place raised and ruling alongside you. That is awesome. I don't deserve it. But thank you that you give it to me because Jesus is kind and Jesus did all this for me. Amen.